today I'm fired up because Derek Ritchie's here. Let's show some love to Derek. Thanks for being here, Derek. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. The, f the first service, we didn't talk yet, but I th the first service was really good. Well, I mean, it was good. But here's the thing. I get weirded out by this because we've already asked these questions. <laughs> and so the first time it was like really organic and we we're just like making stuff up on the spot and God's working. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. And now we're doing it again. So that feels a little inauthentic to me. So I'm just going to acknowledge that's a little weird to me. So I'm going to try to totally come up with brand new questions. Oh, no, right. I'm kidding. Fantastic. Um, so, Surprise. <laughs> so uh, Derek, has, he's preached here before, and today we're doing an interview. I asked him, I said, man, what's on your heart? What would you want to share with the church to help, help us live out our faith? And he said, family discipleship. And I thought that was great for a lot of reasons, because we're starting school again, because the demographic of our church, there's a lot of families. Um, we have been, as a church this year, every fifth Sunday of months that have five Sundays, we've been doing a next-gen Sunday and having students and, and kids sing and speak and all the different things, right? So uh, I'm excited that Derek is here specifically because he brings a lot of experience in a variety of ways. Um, he was... Uh, he went to seminary, he pastored a church in seminary, he worked as a cross-cultural missionary, um, army, is that right? It was in the army. was in the yeah. army. Um, he is an elder uh, of New Life, he's on the leadership team. Um, he's been married for 29, going on 30 years to Christy, who's right here, so yeah. shout out to y'all, that's awesome. <laughs> Praise God, two kids, both following yeah. Jesus, one Evans at uh, the Chantilly campus and serves there, so um, yeah, I just think... You have a lot of wisdom, and I'm ready to learn from you again. So, Thank you. Um, all right, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into it. So let's all pray together. God, we want to hear your voice. Mm -hmm. And something that Derek's going to say, something that I might say, you're going to use that, God, to speak to us. You're going to use the scriptures that he reads. You're going to use the wisdom and application that, that Derek's learned from years of, you know, parenting, being a husband, whatever it is. So God, I pray that for all of us, Holy Spirit, that you would take this message and speak something specific to each of us, not just to learn something, but beyond that, to learn and then to obey it, to apply it in our life this week. Um, God, I pray for those who are grandparents, mm -hmm. for those who are parents, for spouses. I pray for people like me or my wife Meg, we don't have kids right now, and so we're kind of like aunts and uncles in the faith to some kids at this church. Uh, whatever our situation in life is, whether we are the kids, um, God, I pray that we all would receive what you want to teach us. Help us to hear you. Help us to live it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Awesome. So we're talking about family discipleship. Um, I asked you this in the first service. Why? Why did you want to talk about this? Why is this a burden on your heart? Uh, two big reasons. One, my kids are out of the house now, and I can look back and uh, see where I really messed up and where uh, I was successful. And uh, so that's that's one of, one of those things. Secondly, um, I didn't learn how to do this till about 10, 15 years into my marriage, and so I regret not learning these lessons early on uh, mm -hmm. as a dad and as a husband. And then third, uh, our culture hates our kids and uh, is trying to trying to destroy their lives. Yeah. So, so there's a problem, mm -hmm. whether it's we're not passing our faith on to the next generation, whether it's 
the onslaught of our culture trying to disciple our kids away from Jesus, whatever it may be. Um, and that's why you want to help equip us, teach yep. us, train us. So if we're going to pass on our faith, we're going to help the next generation trust and follow Jesus. What is at least one kind of key principle that might help us? Sure. So being, being intentional was the, the first one. As I, as I grew up in the church, I'm a fourth, maybe fifth generation Christian. Um, my grandparents were Christians. Um, my dad's dad actually became a Christian as an adult, so he didn't grow up. And then he was a Christian, and then now I'm a Christian, and then my son so far is a Christian. And I thought, you know, I'm doing the right thing. I have my own devotions. I take my kids to church. Good to go. Yeah. Right? We're doing, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And then I realized when my kids were probably middle schoolers, uh, Evan was a middle schooler, wow, I'm not actually teaching my kids how to be Christians and what mm -hmm. this means for this life and answering their questions in a way that um, is, is structured to be intentional. Mm -hmm. Christy had already been intentional. She was a lot more intentional than I was, as usual, <laughs> in, a, in a marriage. My wife was, you know, hey, we got to teach your kids. And she was asking, essentially asking me, hey, hey, can you step up as a dad? Mm. Can you be the, the one that leads, that leads us spiritually? Can you be the one? that uh, is, is taking charge of our, of, our, of our children's discipleship. And to tell you the truth, I was lazy for the first mm. 10 or 15 years. I'm not saying I'm not lazy now, I'm just less lazy. <laughs> um, and so that was, that was the, kind of the, the first thing I learned. That, that this just doesn't happen by osmosis. Yeah. You, have to, you have to do the things that it takes. We, every area of life, right, you're, you're a football coach, yep. you have to put the reps in. You yep. got to take those four or five, six steps back. You gotta throw to the right place. You gotta, you gotta read the playbook. Yep. <laughs> you have to figure out, you know, what, what are the, where am I supposed to be during the play in order to get the ball to my, my uh, running back or my wide receiver. And it's the same in Christianity. You ha it doesn't just happen. We as the coaches, as the leaders have to be intentional. And Moses talks about this in, in Deuteronomy chapter six when He's leading the children of Israel out into the promised land. Finally, he's not going to get there. So he's, he's got to pass on this wisdom. He's like, how do I get other people to understand and to pass on the law and the, the, the things that I have learned, the what relationship that I have with God? How do I get this to the next generation? Because I'm going to die. God's already said, I'm not going in the promised land. I'm handing this off to Joshua. By the way, excellent video that Preston does if you want to see an overview of the Old Testament. Really good video. But Deuteronomy I pay, is I pay that. To say that actually, so thank you for <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Deuteronomy is that final chance that Moses has as he's recapping everything that he's been been leading the Israelites for like the the past fifty years, and he says, "Look, this is how you do it." In Deuteronomy six, and you're welcome. There's real Bibles, if you will, and then I'm going to read off of my off my phone, and you're welcome to follow along. We won't have it on the screen. Deuteronomy six, verse four: Shema Ha Israel, Hero Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door, door frames of your houses and on your gates. Sure, you can go to temple once a week. You can go every, every Saturday at the time. You can go every Saturday. You go to the tabernacle, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and you can take your kids, but that's not going to cut it, Moses says. Moses says you, gotta, you have to be intentional. 
and every, every opportunity to, to do that when you're going to the grocery store. I would, you know, I'd ask my kids, hey, you want to go to the grocery store? And then Esther, I related this story first service, so, so you, um, she was a talker, man. She's still a talker, but she was, as a little, as a little, and those of you that have daughters, like, it was a non-stop stream of conversation from getting into the car to getting back, and I was exhausted at the end of that because I've never heard so many words put together in my life. But knowing that she was willing to talk to me mm-hmm. and that and then listening to that stream, not just fuzzing it out. As a dad, you're like, they're sitting in the back seat in their car seat, and the, the, the temptation is to be like white noise, right? Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but to listen to what she cared about and what she was thinking about. And, the, and there was questions thrown in there. Yeah. And to answer those questions sincerely and thoughtfully and to take that opportunity to not just be with her, but to teach and to instruct and to, and to think about stuff. And then, again, you'd think I'd learned my lesson. My dad was super good about this. Like, he made us memorize scripture at the bus stop waiting for the bus stop. He had, the, he had little three-by-five cards, and we would wow. go, go through those. And now I find it really hard to memorize scripture because I'm old. Um, but those scriptures that I learned, there's probably a set of about 40 of them. They just come up. Like yeah. this, this morning, that the, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 4.32, it's probably 10 Wow. when I memorized that. But because Dad was intentional, we're doing this, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, family devotions. Um, I, you know, it's, it's hokey. Your kids will fall asleep during family devotions, particularly if they're, if they're small. Maybe if they're teenagers, they'll also fall asleep. And they don't have to be long. And New Life gives us a, a sends an email every day if you want to sign up for that. It's a it's a family devotion. Scripture, read it. One of my one of the friends at my uh, Thursday night group, he's like, "Hey, I don't know how to do this." So I take it. I'm like, "I'm like, oh my gosh, Thessalonians. What the heck am I?" And then it's, it walks him through it. Hey, say these things. So he he's been doing it every night with his with his wow. kid. And so that just the just the the noticing and being intentional and thinking about how can I breathe God's word into my, in my children's life. And then um, I started uh, taking my, my kids out. My son didn't like him calling them dates. My daughter loved it. But, uh, and they were totally different. I took my daughter out to nice, to nice dinners because that's what she likes. My son and I watched hundreds, I think, of documentaries about video games and computer <laughs> programs. Wow. And because that's what he wanted to do. And that's how he wanted to spend time with me. And then then how do we talk? What is reality? Like video games, right? What's reality? How does reality fit? What's this video game saying? What are these guys trying to sell us? Because we're, tr- we're being discipled, right? The world is trying to sell us stuff. What are the video games saying? You know, what are they saying about reality? What are they saying about? And how, what does the Bible say about that? Um, you know, Zelda, Legends of Zelda, you know, wonderful game. My kids love to play that game. It's, it's got all kinds of Hindu philosophy wrapped into that and magic Hmm. okay so how do we deal with that as a christian what does the bible say about that sort of stuff should we should we do that stuff what what is what is hinduism Mm -hmm. what is animism Mm -hmm. you know as are there other other gods all that stuff yeah Um, and then being intentional and knowing about what you know what video games are your kids playing what is on social media and having and annoying annoying them by saying hey let's talk about this and and it will they will be annoyed I mean, you got to push past that because you're a parent, you're a parent, and you're being intentional about having those conversations. So stop beating that to death. We got to be intentional. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you were lazy Mm -hmm. 
and that's what kept you from being intentional. Yeah. So what are some other things, because I'm sure there's a lot of people here that are like, man, I, I want to pass my faith on. I want to be intentional, but something's getting in the way. Like, what, what were those things for you, or were there other things for you that kept you from being intentional? I'm busy. I, I work for the government in Northern Virginia. Um, I was traveling at the time. Um, I was, uh, you know, working 50, 60 hours a week. Um, I realized that was something that I needed to stop doing as hmm. well. Uh, and, you know, I just, I was just, it's tiring. Yeah. It, I know you're sh you might be shocked about this, particularly the children in the room, the, the, but you're tiring. <laughs> like children are physically tiring because th they demand from you. And so I was like, eh, I'll let Christy take care of it. And uh, she did. And then she was more exhausted. So I wasn't partnering, partnering well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then I thought I was doing that. You know, I'm taking them to church. I'm taking them to Sunday school. Yeah. What about like you mentioned, I am being intentional. I'm taking them to church every week. Was there any beliefs that you lacked or maybe a conviction that you didn't hold strongly enough that if you would have if you really would have believed this, it would have led to you being more intentional about passing your faith on? The fact that I'm responsible for my children. That's what really hit me about 10, 10 15 years in that I, I am responsible yeah. for the spiritual leadership. And I'm going to get emotional again. <laughs> That God holds, and they're coming at this, I'm a dad, of course, and a, and a father. God holds the man in the, in the relationship responsible for the spiritual growth of his family. Nowhere in scripture does it say it's, it's the wife's or the, or the mom's job. It's the dad's responsibility to lead his family, and I was not doing that. Mm. And that's what really punched me in the face. This, this passage mm. particularly, actually, um, that I was not being the kind of father that God had called me to be. Mm. Did you, and maybe this didn't apply to you, but I'm just thinking, I mean, you obviously had beliefs about somebody was helping your kids get the faith. You know, wh wh what did you believe about who was responsible for it? If, it, if you didn't believe it was you at one point. I just thought, yeah, sure, I'm responsible, but it'll, ha it'll just happen, right? Mm. I'll just, you know, I'll take them to church. I'll, I'll be a good I'll be a good person. Yeah. I'll be a you know a Christian father. I'll love Christy, and they'll just figure it out. Yeah. Which is yeah. As I say that, it sounds stupid. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah. I think for a lot of us, and I don't have kids, so I don't. I haven't. Can't speak to that. But like, I think that there's just this mindset of <laughs> there's professionals in everything. Yep. So if I coach quarterbacks. A dad typically is probably not going to coach his son on how to throw a football. He's going to pay me because I'm the expert, and he's going to say, hey, can you teach my kid how to throw a football? Yeah. So I don't know how much we actually think about it consciously, but I think that many parents, well-intentioned parents, think, well, I bring my kids to church. In our case, they go to Kid Zone, and uh, Carrie Smith does an incredible job yeah. as our Kid Zone minister. But, but there's this thought, well, yeah, it's – the church's responsibility. It's the kids' own leader's responsibility. It's our, uh, it's David, Allison, Chris, and Meg because they're the youth ministry leaders. So, I'm taking my kids on Sunday morning and Sunday night. That's not intentional enough. And what I hear you saying is, um, beneath the surface of the behaviors that needed to change, was this identity realization. I am, I am the disciple maker here. Yeah. I'm responsible for training my kids. I'm responsible for helping them 
trust and follow Jesus. I'm responsible for having the worldview conversations. I'm the one yeah. uh, who's responsible. So I think that's super powerful. It's con- yeah, it's concentric circles. You're responsible for your marriage first, your children second, and then and then the stuff that goes outside of that. And that's how we're called to be responsible. That's good. So if we're going to pass on our faith, we got to be intentional about it. It's not just going to happen. One of the things that you mentioned is the importance of the Bible, yeah. whether it was memorization or in other ways. Talk a little bit about Scripture, and we know we got to pass. We know we have to think about the passing, mm-hmm. but what are we passing, and how does the Bible play into that? Yeah, there's there's no substitute for Scripture, and of course, part of intentionality is you have to you have to know Scripture. Like if we are not in the Bible, if we're not reading the the God's Word, and if we're not supplementing that with reading about God's word, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, t- uh, you know, th- the time that I was doing was just wasted time. Mm. Like watching TV shows or watching YouTube, although back then YouTube was just coming up. Um, and I, I, you know, I was just convicted I needed to read more. By the way, for those of you that don't like reading, there's audiobooks for, on everything. Like pretty much everything is an audiobook now, so you can also listen to it. So that's what I also did in the car was I'd throw an audiobook on to listen to it. But God's word is sufficient for every situation. And uh, Psalm 119, I'm going to go a little bit backwards from last. Psalm 119 is 150 verses, 150 verses where David talks exclusively about God's word and how awesome it is. This is just the beginning. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. And then he goes on for another, you know, God's word makes me feel better. God's word encourages me. God's word is sufficient for the path that is laid out in front of me. One of the famous passages from Psalm 119 is, God's word is a light unto my path and a, a light a light unto my um, path and a lamp unto my feet. The world's dark and fuzzy, like right now, staring into these lights. <laughs> um, but God provides us with, and I always carry a tactical flashlight with me, the light. Right? That that really lights up your way, so you can see using God's word. The, the way in front of you. You always carry a tactical flashlight with you? Tactical flashlight, a knife, and since I'm preaching, usually a firearm, but not, <laughs> not preaching. Okay, okay. So, yes, always have your tools with you. Awesome. You never know. And I usually have a tourniquet, but anyways, a um, little too much. Sorry. <laughs> TMI. Um, and then in first, uh, first Timothy, so, uh, pardon, Second Timothy, chapter 3, Paul's, Paul's again, he's talking to Timothy. And he's saying, hey, Timothy, um, you know, you're a young preacher. You need to know stuff. Where, where do you go? And actually, the crazy thing to me is Paul's talking about the Old Testament. When he's writing Timothy, he's not talking about the stuff that we have available to us now. He's actually talking to Timothy about the Old Testament. The Old Testament is sufficient. And now from infancy, you have known the Holy Scripture. This is 315, 2 Timothy, which are able to make you wise wisdom as a young person for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of god may be and you said it last time fully equipped fully equipped fully equipped for every good work and now we have the new testament as well which again 
is essentially a meditation on what Jesus, who Jesus is, and a meditation on the Old Testament scriptures as they apply to Jesus. That's, that's what the New Testament is, is a commentary, if you will, on Jesus and how he applied the Old Testament and the, and the application of the Old Testament, because that's the scriptures that they had. So again, we, as we have conversation with our kid, God, God addresses gender fluidity is as ancient as Genesis. God's not shocked at that. He's not like, oh my goodness, how do I deal with this situation? Epicureanism. Follow your feelings. I don't know if you've ever heard that philosophy. I've heard it once or twice. Um, that is the Epicurean philosophy that started, you know, 400 years before Jesus, 400 years BC. God is not surprised by these, by these philosophies. And he is, in his word, he has sufficiently talked about all of these things that we can address with each other with ourselves with our children it's there we just need to discover it and to to find it and then to have those conversations when your kid asks what about are there 42 genders what does God, what does the bible say about that what what about follow my feelings you know my heart tells me to do xyz what does the bible say about that well it says your heart is deceitful above all things like trusting your feelings is the stupidest thing to do Literally. Like, yes, our feelings factor into it, but that is dumb, according to Scripture. And that's not the only passage out of Jeremiah. There's all kinds of other passages where God's like, feelings? Who cares? And I'm overgeneralizing, of course, um, because God calls us to feel. Feelings are part of who we are as human beings. But following our heart is, is dumb, and God, God addresses that in Scripture. And so or, every, our, or our own thoughts. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> And so that's all of that is addressed over and over in Scripture. And we just, we just need to understand Scripture and be able yeah. to apply that. And now, again, tons of good books out, out there. Jordan Peterson talks about marriage and pornography. He's not a Christian. He says the Bible's amazing. It's awesome. He got famous doing lectures on the Old Testament from a psychological and philosophical standpoint. He was asked a question a while back. What would you wish you would have done more with your children? Anybody know what his answer was? Can I see that one? I wish I would have taught my children, this is non-Christian, I wish I would have taught my children more Bible stories. Hmm. One of the most famous psychologists, one of the most famous influencers in the world today. I wish I would have taught my children more Bible stories. Wow. Hmm. So if I want to, I'm sitting here thinking, whether it's my grandkids, my kids, <laughs> my nieces and nephews in the faith, if, if I want to pass on faith in Jesus to them, and I'm going to work the Bible into conversations as life happens. Uh, what if I've never done that and I don't know how to do that? Like, how do I start? You yeah. know, what does it take in order to sh- just even experiment with that? How do I get started doing that? Uh, read the Bible. That's the first one. I, I beat that to death as a preacher, but uh, so does so do you, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But you got We have to know. We have to know the scriptures. Steep ourselves in the scriptures. And then there's all kinds of devotionals out there. There's there's silly ones, there's good ones, you know, there's less, you know, start with simple and work your way up. There's, there's you know, 300, there's, a, there's 365 a day scripture calendars, you know, verse, little meditation. Start with that. Yeah. And you'll be, you'll be amazed how God uses that in your life to talk to not only your children, but to other people. Shocking how God will use that scripture from today will apply to something that happens in your life during that day. Hmm. So we start by, we got to read the Bible and know it ourselves, which is what Moses said. I, I think yeah. it, it said this, something about it being on your own heart. Yeah, and exactly. He says, Put that in your own heart. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so that's good. So we got to be intentional, and we got to weave the Bible into these everyday conversations. What about the relationship between, uh, for those of us who are married um, and are trying to pass our faith on, um, husband and wife and spouses, and like where does that play into all this? Marriage is the foundation of the Christian walk if you're married. That is the most important relationship that you can have is loving your spouse. Uh, again, dad and father um, and uh, husband. So I'm going to talk from, from the male perspective because I'm not a female and you are very confusing to me even now. Um, having raised one and been married to one for 29 years. That we, we are called, like again, we are called to lead and we are called to love. Ephesians chapter 5, that is, you know, we get hung up on the respect part of that. Mm -hmm. That whole passage is about, Paul's like, yeah, respect your husband. And then he, the rest of that passage is about how husbands love their wives. That they, you know, have got to sacrifice ourselves. We've got to care about what our wives care about to to put ourselves in a position to serve our wives and um disclaimer i'm going to go pg-13 here we're going into proverbs so i'm reading scripture it's not it gets, me it's a bit spicy yeah <laughs> so we're going to go to proverbs chapter five you're welcome to check me on that um and uh those of you that have been here before know it's one of my favorite passages because it because the author of Proverbs, who probably this one is Solomon, completely messed this up. He like, he's like, you should do this because I didn't do this. And so it says, Proverbs 15, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams in the water in the public squares, let them be yours alone. Never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Talking about satisfaction and pursuit and rejoicing. And the one thing that stood out at me this time as I read that again in preparation is intoxication. Uh, unfortunately, I've been intoxicated. Um, I was in the army. <laughs> um, to stay intoxicated, you have to keep drinking. So to, to stay intoxicated with your spouse, you have to go back, be intoxicated, do the things that it takes to be intoxicated, to rejoice in that love, spend time with them, talk to them, think about their, their loves and their, their desires, and, their, and, then, and then just enjoy each other, rejoice in that relationship. And that, that has so many awesome benefits for us as human, human beings. Christy's doctor the other day was like, wow, so awesome that you've been married so long. It's so healthy. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's other, it's healthy, but your kids then see that relationship. And the other thing that it teaches them is they're not the most important. Yeah. If you're dating your spouse, if you're, it teaches your children, you're not the most important thing in life. My husband, my wife is the most important person in life. And you're second. Congratulations. <laughs> um, but and then they know that and that actually builds huge stability into a, into a family mm. and sorry no, and it good. teaches yeah. the, the relationship of a husband and wife was intended for God to be the, to show how he loves people and how he loves the church and if your children can see that they again grow up with that oh wow this is how God acts mm -hmm. will you act like God 
I don't know, I've never been able to. So I've messed up, I've done stupid stuff. But at least builds that solid foundation of, wow, love is enduring, it goes through hard times, and it's intentional about love. So kind of two things I was hearing you say there. One, when it comes to loving our spouses, there's that sacrificial aspect of love, and the next generation sees that, like, wow, they're willing to serve and put the other one ahead of themselves. And then there's the romantic love. Yeah. And both of those things, when, you know, when kids see uh, a mom and a dad still love each other, still hug, still kiss, still go yeah. on dates, whatever it is, like it, it teaches a lot. So yeah. we've got to be intentional. Uh, we've got to have conversations about the Bible. And if we are married, we've got to love our spouses. Um, before we wrap this up, any practical, just like super, for people who like, you know, to skim yeah. the article and just get the one, two, three, four. Give me the like the steps here. What are yeah. some? What's something practical that we could think about implementing this week? Do one thing, just one thing. You know, read your Bible in front of your kids. Share a Bible verse. Take your spouse out on a date. You know, you know. I throw out all these things, but you know, and people sometimes. I know I was overwhelmed at the beginning. You know, I read this book, and he's like, "Do do these forty-seven things," and I was like, "I can't do that." <laughs> But the, the suggestion is do one thing, and then you build it with two things, and then three things. And so that's, that's, that's where I would suggest. Again, it all started with me, with my dad, knowing when I got up, sitting at the kitchen table doing his devotion, so that when mm-hmm. his kids got up, they saw their dad having devotions. Mm-hmm. And that says to me, oh, functional adult males, more or less, um, do their devotions every morning. Oh, okay. That's what men do. Yeah. And that's just just one thing that started that out. Again, I remember that from when I was like five years old. Super powerful. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So as we start small and just try one thing this week, um, even one thing, although that's very that sounds very doable. I think I could do one thing. Um, we still might feel this sense of like, man, you don't know my family situation. You don't know how bad our relationships are. You don't know how much, how little I know about the Bible. Or you don't know how lazy I am. You know, whatever it is. So any final just word of encouragement to just yeah. help us as we leave here, have some hope that, no, we can do this. We can leave here and pass our faith on. It's never too late. I messed up for 10 years. But then I, then I started doing, doing the right things. And I, then I continued to mess up. Again, please don't get the impression that I'm like, yep, Totally did everything right. I, I did some stupid, stupid stuff. But, again, you do get points for trying um, because your kids know and your wife or husband knows, okay, at least they're trying to do the right thing. And then that, that feeds into, then you, yeah, then you do get it right. And, then, and so any, it's never too late, ever, ever too late. And, again, we know, your kids make their own choices. The kids make their own choices. Sure, but don't let it be you not making the right choices mm. and uh and anybody can do it yeah that's good let's give derek a hand again show some love and appreciation thank you thank you for preparing to speak on this um, let's pray together and we're going to continue to worship father i pray that regardless of what our role is lord that we would take ownership for passing our faith on to the next generation God, help us to be intentional. Lord, help us to really think about this and to put effort towards this and to plan. Um, Help it to be a priority 
in our life, God. Um, Father, I pray for all of us to get in the Word. And I know that might seem overwhelming to some of us, but Lord, just again, help us to start small. Help us to just help us to just to start read today and to pass on what you've revealed to us. We don't have to know everything, but help us to reveal what you're teaching us, God. Um, Lord, I pray for love and respect between spouses for those who are married. God, help us to model the kind of unity and oneness that there is between Jesus and the church with one another, how two of us have become one. Lord, help us to sacrificially love as husbands and help us to respect as wives and let that example be powerful and to demonstrate um, what it means to follow Jesus in everyday life, Lord. Bless our kids that are in kid zone right now. God, I pray that you protect them from the evil one and from sin and from sickness. God, I pray that you would raise up disciples of Jesus who love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbor as themselves, God. Help them to make disciples of the nation, of the nations, God. Um, Lord, I pray for spirit-filled um, world changers, Lord, that these kids, even from a young age, would see that they're made to make an impact for you and they're made to know you and walk with you deeply. God, we love you as we wrap up our time of worship this morning. Um, God, help us to respond to what we've heard. Help us to, to sing, to lift our voice, to lift our hands, whatever that looks like. God, help us to truly embody totally worshipers, devoted worshipers to you, God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.